Ladies and gentlemen, trans and non-binary punks of all age and denominations, welcome to Banecdotes and Not Just a Phase. Two punk um, punk <laughs> two punk music <laughs> two punk music podcasts come together today to discuss one great band, Canada's very own Cancer Bats. What's up, and welcome back to Not Just a Phase. This is episode seven, and this is Banecdotes, episode seven. We have Scott Middleton here from Cancer Bats on the show today. This band is a Canadian treasure and a local to our province of Ontario, Canada. Cancer Bats have been going strong for over 15 years now, and they've played with countless bands on countless stages, and they're still making wildly good music. Hey, Scott, what's up? Thanks for coming on the show, man. How you doing? Hey, really good. Thanks for having me. I've never been on two podcasts simultaneously before. This is a first. <laughs> I'm excited. We've never done this before either, so we're excited yeah. as well. Uncharted territory. I think it's a good idea. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. It's like it's like a show, but a podcast. You know what I mean? <laughs> like It's like a gig. It's like the lineup. Yeah. I like it. I like it. <laughs> the festival of podcasts. It's just like you have to do one sh- one less show than you normally would have had to do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's like it's like when there's like two competing shows going on the same night in the same town, and then they're just like, ah, screw it, let's combine them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, what's up? This is Scott Middleton from Cancer Bats. Uh, we're gonna play Pneumonia Hawk next, and you're listening to. Not just a phase and anecdotes. Hell yeah.
Hey, Scott, thanks so much for coming on the show today. We are stoked and grateful to be talking with you. We're talking with Scott today because our good friend Phil Paxton made the introduction of you to us a while ago, and we're finally bringing this meeting of the minds to fruition. Now, Phil's going to be co-hosting with us today. So, Phil, thanks again. We're stoked to have you on here. And if you guys haven't heard yet, Phil has his own talk show called Banecdotes. It's available pretty much on all streaming platforms, and he's interviewing lots of great bands from the punk scene all across Ontario. So go check that out immediately. He's fucking killing it. But we're all we're all here today to talk about the legacy that is Cancer Bats. So thanks again for coming on today, Scott. How are you feeling today? Yeah, yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Um, it's hard to be- believe it's been almost, uh, you know, getting closer to 20 years sooner than later. But <laughs> over 15 was kind of a milestone. And yeah, here we are. That, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's actually one of the questions I had here. Uh, a lot of bands don't have the stamina... Uh, or the legacy you guys have for this many years, you know, they get two or three albums in and they end up falling apart. What's the secret to you guys uh, for still flapping your wings after all these years? Uh, I mean, I don't know if we're, any of us are good at anything uh, other than music. So there's that, <laughs> but no, no, I mean like, you know, in reality, I think, um, you know, we've all been in lots of bands before this one and really, I think what kind of kept it together was the people and finding the right combination of people. And I, and I kind of say this to a lot of bands I meet all the time is that like, you can have the best musicians in the world all in one room, but if they're not on the same page with the direction they want to take that music or the direction they want to go in terms of committing to, you know, uh, playing music as a career, it's just not going to work, right? Like, you know, at the end of the day, whether you like it or not, you're forming a business and a partnership with other people. And, uh, you know, I think, um, we've you know we've all got our our own special talents in the band and and we we push each other in our own ways and we just kind of especially in the early days we we really had a a serious hunger to just you know just see where we could how far we could take it you know first it was like hey can we can we play a show outside of the province can we play a show in the states can we can we tour europe like that was the first ultimate goal you know and and then here we are, we've been to Europe more times than I can count and multiple continents. And um, we keep going to new places, which is really cool. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I think, you know, we never stopped uh, believing in ourselves and what we were capable of and we we're having fun. And, you know, it's, uh, we've always kind of amazed ourselves really with just what we've been able to achieve just by playing some, you know, loud punk and metal and, and, it, and it's fun, you know what I mean? That's, I think, the ultimate, um, you know, uh, best part of it. It's like, I, I always say to a lot of people, again, just like when they're starting a band and they, they want to make a career of it. And I mean, that's great. And like, you got to be serious and like dedicated to it to do that. But like, if you can't um, get on stage with the three or four friends you have in your band and enjoy that just for it being that simple, you know, act of performing music together. Like there's no point in you doing it. Cause you know what I mean? We all know this isn't like, you know, like uh, a money machine, just being in a band, you know, it's, it takes a lot of hard Rock work. doesn't pay the bills. Well, it can, but you, <laughs> you gotta, you really gotta work it hard for it to do, or you just get really, you know, lucky or whatever it is. But um, yeah, I, I mean, just that, that's the thing. I, I think 
we have fun playing music together and that's always been a driving factor and and that's really kept the band going for so long i think um you know of course it's like all the people along the way all the friends and fans and good memories we have that that's really sustained it plus we've also you know we've like uh we've been around a lot of other bands who've kept things going over the years too and and um yeah and i think our generation there there's been some other really great bands that have sort of push the push the mile beside us whether it was like you know like every time i die or uh, rise against the bronx i mean alexis are back together and billy talent you know have kept going the whole time stuff like that like you know a lot of good friends anti-flag another band uh we really kind of um you know in a lot of ways we're mentored by bands like those and um and it, it it allowed us to you know sort of see hey like here's what's possible here's Here's how a band is able to function when they've got families. Here's how it is when, you know, there's something tragic, like a death in the family. How are they dealing with those things? How are they dealing with, you know, when they put out a record and maybe it's not that well received and, and you know, and, and you can see the like discomfort and anxiety involved in things like that and, and how you handle stress of being on the road and being away from home for so long. And, um, I think that was it too. Like we always asked for advice from our peers around us. And, and I think we got a lot of like great help and great advice and mentorship along the way. And the, the funny thing about it all though, is these have been like the fastest 15 years of my life, you know, like it doesn't feel that long. Like it feels weird to just go, Whoa, it's been that long. Holy shit. Yeah. Like I thought, it, you know, it feels more like, feels more like seven, <laughs> you know, whatever. It's just, it's just, there's been so much, but yet, like, I think that's, that's it. When, like, when you start, like, doing something like, you know, the days of the week matter so much less, like, like, I never care if it's a weekend or not, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter to me. That's not special to me because every day is Friday night. (laughs) (laughs) So, so that's, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's fun, but can we, I mean, here we are. Can we get back to even earlier times here Uh, before the band, I'm always curious to hear the origin stories of musicians. Do you recall like your first introduction to punk rock or any genre of music that was outside the mainstream norm? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, like when I was a little kid, like I, I had an older sister who, you know, was into all kinds of like, uh, like punk rock and new wave and early industrial stuff. So I, you know, like I sort of raid my sister's tape collection and find stuff from like the Sex Pistols and The Cure and Skinny Puppy and, 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 and stuff like that. Um, you know, music was always interesting and somewhat like scary and dangerous to me in a lot of ways, even when it wasn't, um, you know, uh, like, like pop music or whatever. I, I got into metal first myself um, because that was sort of what was big at the time. And um, and then gradually, like, I really got into, like, Ramones and Misfits. That was a big one for me, like, when I probably would have been about, like, 13, 14. I kind of went, like, further back because I think um, I'd always kind of liked the Sex Pistols and, and and stuff like Joy Division and New Order, like, more post-punk stuff. But um, I think I found when, like, because I was really, like, you know, at that sort of, like, turning point when Green Day and Offspring like really hit it big and Rancid really hit it big and I was sort of confused by it because that that was modern punk at the time and it didn't remind me of what I was told was punk rock when I was younger 
And so like, I, it made me go further back. And so like when I was really young at first, like Green Day and Offspring were like, that was, you know, they were the top of the charts. And I was like, that's not punk. This is real punk, you know, like just kind of being that guy. Meanwhile, I'm just a stupid kid who didn't know anything about anything. Right. Hadn't experienced any of it. Um, but, um, you know, the, when I grew up in Mississauga and there was like a really good local hearts, uh, hardcore scene going in like Mississauga and Oakville nearby. And like there's, so there'd always be shows at like community centers and Masonic lodges and YMCA's and stuff like that out in the suburbs. And then, um, you know, as, as I got a little bit older, I got really into bands like Sick of It All and Biohazard, Madball, like more New York hardcore nice. punk type stuff. Um, yeah, H2O, whatever. And then I, I always really liked, um, you know, crossover bands like Corrosion Conformity and Suicidal Tendencies and stuff that like really brought metal and punk together. And that just like made so much sense to me um, because I liked both both of those sides. And um, and I liked how like political a lot of that stuff was. The, the messages behind the music really like formed my uh, my brain into like, how I think today about a lot of stuff, you know, I really think there's a lot of turning points, um, you know, in terms of just ideologies and politics and the way that I saw the world that, you know, just being like in a bubble of the suburbs and in Ontario, um, you know, I was, my mind wasn't opened enough until I started getting into, you know, punk and, and more political metal and stuff like that. And, you know, there was a lot of, um, a lot of the metal bands that I liked, like, especially like, uh, like Sepultura and even Slayer and stuff, like you could always see that they would have like references to punk and what they were doing. Like both those bands were always kind of like pushing stuff about like Minor Thread and Dead Kennedys. And, um, and that really sent me down a rabbit hole of like, you know, going into that stuff. And, and of course, Black Flag and, and, you know, um, which is, you know, just because at the time, you know, being young in the 90s, like I heard Rollins band before I ever heard Black Flag. And then I kind of went backwards into that stuff, too. And and same thing, like Metallica was one of the things that got me into Misfits, too, because they they covered Last Caress and Green Hell. And I was yeah. like, oh, what's this? Where's the What's the original like? Oh, cool. And oh, that's Danzig. I know him from his band Danzig. OK, you know, and just things really kind of like connected so so for me like metal and punk wasn't all that different it kind of always coexisted well and I mean it's kind of indicative of the band I think I'm in now you know what I mean like we're we're sort of metal we're sort of punk we're kind of hardcore it's, it's a little bit of everything it's, it's nice you know band. yeah it is and um yeah I mean it's and then you know going to local shows that was like really what did it for me and it I think the thing was that like uh the community that I found, um, you know, in the punk and hardcore scene, especially was the camaraderie that I was missing in high school. Like, you know, I, I had friends that were kind of into this stuff, but I found better friends going to shows. Like, you know what I mean? Like I would never have met Liam if it wasn't for that. And we would never have started a band. Like literally it was just, we were, we were going around, uh, we went to a, a raised fish show in Toronto and uh, he was like trying to sell, I don't know, cassettes for the band that he was in at the time. And I, I think I was kind of trying to do the same. And he was like, oh man, I know your band. Oh yeah, you guys are sick. Like, 
and we just kind of hit it off and then we just kept bumping into each other at, you know, different hardcore shows. And I mean, at one point he moved to Ottawa and then Montreal, but we stayed in touch, you know? And I think that was kind of the cool thing about that, that community was that there was a lot of like, um, because it was a small community and the internet was like really jumping off at the time, people were staying in touch and it was, there was so much networking going on just by, a shared passion of like culture, music, art, you know, politics, you know, of course, like, like in the, in the late nineties and early two thousands, like a really big thing was like people becoming like straight edge and vegan and stuff like that was like really important in the scene. And, and I was a young straight edge kid. So for me, like that was really cool to meet other people who just like, you know, wanted to, you know, not deal with, you know like the the partying thing which was very big in high school for me anyway and um and so and and to like have that be also a focus around music was cool and then similarly I had other friends that were just like oh yeah like I'm into animal rights but the only music that's into that is you know punk rock and hardcore so that's what I'm gonna support and get into and then and I, I always really liked that like you know whether you disagreed or not whatever you know, we all coexisted and we all just kind of like found this common ground of music and, and, and had a lot of fun and in ways that were so anti-mainstream, it was all just underground and it was like, just so much fun. You know, like I, I missed it. I skipped my high school prom to go to a hardcore show, you know, nice. I, I couldn't have nice. cared less, you know, literally yeah. it was like a you show. Who it was? Uh, a yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a band called as cities burn um don't remember that much else about the show i just remember i bought a bunch of rad seven inches it was at it was in streetsville <laughs> masonic lodge in mississauga um again it was just hey there's a show that's what i'm gonna do i don't care about my prom like screw that you know like like i'm not friends with anybody in like my graduating class like i don't care none of them are into <laughs> like real music and you know like all my best friends <laughs> in school for me like were either older than me or just a bit younger than me and that was that was all the musicians and in my like year uh you know like graduating class year like it just was not full of musicians at all and um and so yeah so i just couldn't give a shit and i just yeah just gonna go to a hardcore show instead and i remember my mom was really bummed <laughs> i was like sorry mom just just didn't matter to me <laughs> Um, I've said that so many times. Yeah. Speaking speaking of like uh like having like so many friends in the music scene specifically, uh out of all the bands that I know of, you guys probably put out the most music with like friends doing guest parts. Yeah, um yeah. like you've had Ben from Billy Talent on, you got you had pretty much all of Alexis on fire show up on songs. Um how is it getting to work with those guys as like yeah, how's it getting well, to work? Well, I mean it, that stuff uh specifically like like almost all the stuff we've ever done it's been it's not about the bands as much as it's our friends i mean yes we're fortunate to have friends who are in huge bands and super talented it, and it, it was just sort of like hey this could be fun because we just liked uh you know being around our friends and it's just another excuse to hang out and um you know especially like with stuff like like George and, and Wade and whatever, like those guys were like always kicking around the studio or they would be around when we'd be writing records. We'd be like, hey, like, 
come check out these songs like and Wade would be like oh I love this one and this one like oh maybe you know and sometimes they would just be like hey can I do this can I try this and yeah and then like you know we we toured with Billy Talent before Ben sang on one of our songs you know he was already a really good friend at that point and and uh same thing uh we had like Tim from Rise Against and um yeah I mean that's just always been like generally a, a thing of getting friends like I think one that was like the bigger stretch was like uh on our last record we got Chris from Propagandi to sing on a song and he's like I'll say like an acquaintance as opposed to like a good friend we know him a bit better now but um because like we kind of have a, a strong Winnipeg connection with our drummer Mikey um sort of similar circles and like he knew the guy who produced our last record really well so it was it kind of like felt comfortable and he knew our band and was like oh yeah that would be fun so um you know generally it was just all always about just finding excuses to hang out with our friends like even even like when we made like our demo before Jay, our bassist was like in our band, uh, when I was like recording like our first demo, I was getting Jay to like, just help me out. Cause I'm like, hey, like, like let, let's dial in some tones together. Cause you like gear too and press record while I riff these tracks, you know? And it was just like, uh, just a good time, you know? Like yeah. all our all our records, we'd, we'd always have like, oh, like we'll have gang vocal day and invite like 15 of our friends to come down <laughs> just like, yell at shit you know maddie matheson's on half of them just, you know what i mean not because he can sing just because it's a good time and you know it just like makes it yeah. fun and you know it's just yeah like i mean it was always about that you know of course like i mean it's it's a bonus that it's um you know there's there's the side of it like you know like especially like billy talent alexis and stuff like that like like those guys are opening us to the like having them on it like opens up our band to getting recognition from their fans too of course like i mean i think it's a smart thing to do but for us it was also quite natural it never felt like oh, okay like should we ask their manager first and <laughs> see if it's okay it was never anything weird like that you know yeah um and uh yeah it was all, always quite quite comfortable and then and then even like we had like uh like des the singer of devil driver like sing on one of our songs but that was because like he basically asked us like he he just was like before we even toured with him, he was reaching out to us to tour with that band because he just liked our records a lot. And it was just like, oh man, oh, I love this song or I'd love to do something together. Like, let's figure it out. And, you know, and so he did something on like DSOL and it, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, um, it's, it's been a thing we've done a lot of. And I, you know, I, again, it, I think it just, it feels natural because it's just like part of like, community and stuff and I think you know we go back to there was always records like that that we grew up um you know seeing uh other bands do or they would form like side project bands that would be made up of their friends from other bands and you know and, and also same thing with like a lot of us liked some hip-hop records growing up where there was always features and stuff like I think that you know that bled into their um a little bit with that influence and yeah it's always fun yeah so you were just uh mentioning dead set on uh living and how maddie is on like maddie Madison's on a bunch of songs that you guys do um and i was earlier today was listening to dead set and noticed uh it credit on spotify it credits maddie matheson so i was curious if you wanted to explain the story about 
the connection between that record and Maddie? Uh, well, I mean, like Maddie's like one of our oldest friends. Like I've I've known him uh, for years and years. Like my old band before Cancer Bats was was called At the Mercy of Inspiration. Um, we like you know in two thousand and two or something played a show in Fort Erie and Maddie's band like put on the show and um, and we met there and then uh, on our first like tour where we had like bought a van of our own, um, our guitar player. Uh, had befriended Maddie and was like, hey, uh, this guy's going to come on tour with us, sell merch or something. We're like, who? And they're like, oh, okay. Sure. Oh, that guy. Okay. And then instantly we just became, became best friends and he was hilarious and made the tour more fun. And, you know, he's been on multiple, multiple Cancer Bats tours over the years. Um, again, just as our buddy hanging out, having fun and just, you know, making things a good time. And, um, and then, yeah, I mean, as he's publicly stated many times in, in uh, I think it was like 2010, uh, he uh, had a heart attack and uh, when he was pretty young and his sort of like excess of partying and, and doing drugs and drinking and stuff would just like uh, kind of overcame him and nearly killed him, unfortunately. And that was a, a big shock to all of us who were really close to him and um you know and and so that sort of inspired the lyrics um i'm not entirely sure why spotify credits him i mean he might he might be on there as a gang vocal i don't totally remember i mean he definitely would have been around that um i mean the lyrics of, of the song uh, uh dead set on living are like all about him one one thousand percent uh i mean he he had a tv show called dead set on life and he, that was sort of like the mantra he came up with when he, after he had the heart attack was like, uh, like it was sort of in, influenced by like um, a Husker Du record called Dead Set on Destruction. And he was like, no, I'm, I'm dead set on life. And like, that's going to be like, I'm going to like turn things around and like, you know, get living. And, and then, so we kind of um, extrapolated on that and called it Dead Set on Living. And uh and then, yeah, the, that song was about him. And, you know, uh, he ended up using it in uh, the intro to uh, his TV show, Dead Set on Life. Uh, I think it was like the second season. I can't remember. Anyways, we were in it. And we, this, whole, this was whole like funny, hilarious, like intro sequence. But he used that song uh, for the show when he was doing it. And, and so that was really cool, you know, to sort of like collaborate backwards, you know, with, with a friend who inspired this song you know about him and then he's you know obviously like a, a massive celebrity around the world now it's just amazing to see and we're all really proud of him so um you know it, 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 the nice thing too is like you know if you think back and I hope people like recognize that kind of connection is just you know people like him in a lot of ways in our eyes you know not just as our friend is he's always been very involved in spreading uh underground and independent music just by virtue of being a fan i mean he's had bands of his own maybe not like super serious ones that like did touring and stuff he's always just been in like fun bands um but he you know has always been like huge and in just kind of like i i can always remember he he'd be showing me new music all the time and he's still that guy for a lot of people <laughs> and very involved and when and when they were running like parts and labor 
uh, in Toronto, there'd be the basement venue there. And he was always like getting bands to come. And he, he had a thing called Maddie Fest and, and, you know, would, would curate his own thing there, like for when it would be like his birthday week. And then of course they did like the big festival at like, uh, like Echo Beach last year or whatever, or two years ago, I guess now. And um, you know what I mean? It's just, it's that thing, you know what I mean? Like it's, it, I think music's as much of a part of his life as cooking in a lot of ways, you know, and it's, uh, and it's, you know, it's definitely one of his, his passions and whether he's playing it or just having fun being around, um, you know, musicians, uh, it's, uh, you know, Maddie's always put a smile on our faces, you know, having him, it's always been better with him in it. So, yeah. Nice. That's, uh, that's my favorite thing about the whole punk rock community is, the fans uh, are just as important as the musicians and the band members. I'm doing this because I love talking with musicians. I know that's why you're doing it, Phil. <laughs> it's, you know, when you're not writing music, you want to talk about it. When you're not playing music, you want to be surrounded by it. You got to just get right in there, right? Yeah. And honestly, like, I think, uh, especially like, you know, being like, you know, I'm almost 40. I've, I've been doing this for a really long time. And, you know, I think, it's it's people with that sort of like addictive energy like you guys and that passion for music that whether you're in a band or not like that's what you know that's one of the things that keeps guys like us from being jaded and not you know it's just like oh okay cool like this really still means something to a lot of people and because if we didn't have that if we didn't have a following probably like maybe would have packed it in, you know, if people stop coming to the shows, then the shows aren't fun. And it's like, and, and, and that's, I think like part of what's always been cool about cancer bats is we, we've like really love to like destroy the barrier between the audience and the, and us on stage. It's, you know, it's the one wouldn't exist without the other, you know what I'm saying? It's a symbiotic relationship and, um, yeah. And I, I always get energized by people who are just that excited about, you know, new bands, our band, old bands. I think it's all relevant. And, and I hope it continues, you know, because those are like, those are the best memories of my life have all been, you know, Fucking revolved nice. around, you know, what I've experienced through music. Yeah. Yeah. We're hoping to keep it alive, even though shows aren't going on right now. <laughs> I know this is the, I mean, and this is the difficult thing, you know, I, I mean, the nice thing is I think like the music community is resilient and, you know, we're all trying different stuff. It's sort of a experimental and, um, you know, we'll see where things go. Obviously like people are trying to create content and live streams and just, you know, videos on YouTube and Instagram and all that stuff. And I, I it's fun, you know, like we'll see how long that lasts. I'm, you know, I hope things, um, you know, get back to normal or what they were to a point, but yeah, we'll see, we'll see.
to kind of go back on, you know, you guys were talking, you were talking earlier about how you guys went around for nearing, nearing 20 years now, right? Yeah. 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 2024, that would be the one. Yeah. Just three more years to go. So you guys recently last year put out uh, the 10th anniversary of Bears, Mayors, Scraps and Bones. Mm -hmm. Um, How does it feel to be able to have done that, to be a band in that position where you can release a 10th anniversary yeah, I mean, that's, I, I feel like that feels weirder when you're, you know, multiple, multiple times, you know, that's our third album that's past that mark. Um, like when, you know, we could all play shows and everything, we were able to do like a bunch of anniversary special shows where we would play the album front to back, you know, and I think that was a lot of fun. Um, I don't think we'll ever get to do that for Bears, but um, we re-released the vinyl and remastered it and it was fun kind of going back through, um, you know, those songs and, and, you know, cause I think only bands that really have experienced, like when you start having more songs and you have time to play live ever, you know, like there's songs that sort of slip through the cracks. And so it was sort of cool to go back and go, Oh yeah, you know what? This one was really good. Or, uh, maybe we could have cut that one. I don't know, you know, whatever. Like you just, we kind of joke amongst ourselves. Right. But it's um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a trip down memory lane, you know, like experiencing that and it makes you feel old, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but I mean, I think the cool thing too is though that like, you know, there's um, people that have told us, Oh, I, you know, like I've always liked the record, but maybe I didn't like it as much as some of the others, but you know what, over time it really grew on me. And, you know, so that's always like a fun thing, too, because we all know what that's like, uh, you know, when there's records that like at first you're sort of like, yeah, I'm not sure. And then you come back to it maybe months or years later and then you give it a spin. You're like, oh, man, no, this is like this is my jam now. So it was cool. Like a lot of people said that to us about that record and, um, you know, made us really happy that we took the time to to reissue it and, you know, and update the artwork in a cool way. And, yeah, we had some fun with it because we we released it right when the pandemic hit and we were supposed to play a bunch of shows in support of it. Um, but, uh, instead, we, you know, out of all your list of huge accomplishments, um, what do you think has been the greatest accomplishment from cancer bats and why is it the beastie boys cover of sabotage? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know if it's that, I mean, that was, Again, like, I mean, that's, that's on the Bears album too. Um, that was a, uh, a funny one because that was not even supposed to be on the album. We had written all the songs for the record and um, we kind of had too many and um, we we're trying to fit them all on. Um, but I, during pre-production, Liam came in uh, to practice one day and said he had a dream that he had covered it and that... Um, that it like was, you know, went over awesome with all like all our friends and other bands or something who were watching at his show. And, um, and that, and I, and I was like, okay, how are we going to do this? And then we sort of like figured it out and it ended up being kind of cool. And we played it at some festivals that we did and maybe just before recording and it kind of like, it, it, it hit off really well. And we're like, ah, oh, yeah, I guess we should record this. And then like, I think we thought, oh, like we'll record it someday or we'll record it down the road or whatever. And then I think like our producer and our label were like, oh, record it now. And so basically we had recorded the whole record 
and then we went we went in one day and like i think maybe we were tracking like vocals at that point or so i can't remember but basically like we just set up mikey's drums like again and just recorded recorded it like dead last on the record and like it almost didn't make it and even then i think i think we thought oh this will just be like a b-side or it'll come out on the japanese version of the record or something um because those usually contain a lot of bonus tracks and stuff and um and then everyone i think like on our team as far as the label and management and everything we're like no this is so good like you have to put it out and then yeah it turned into like making a video and then the video was hilarious and we had a great time <laughs> doing that and that was so much fun and i think that also like made it even more of a thing and you know i mean in the end it was like the first time we'd ever covered a song that people like really really new and and you know i think it's one of the best things we've done uh that way mostly because again it's just like when you cover a song that's popular it uh, it's sort of like bridges that gap to people that just sort sort of know like more mainstream music and stuff and and uh it really opened our world to like a new audience in a lot of ways um which is cool and and a lot of like young people have been like oh the first song i ever heard from you was that and that's why i love your band now and all the records you've put out since then and um you know which some people like have like been like oh does that bother you that like a lot of people know you for a cover and it's like, I don't care. I don't, cause I don't think about that. And it's like, we play at every show and people go off and it's sick. Why would I be bummed? This is super fun to play. <laughs> like, you know, and, yeah. and also like the other thing is like, we did the cover, you know, in very much our own style. So it doesn't feel yes. that weird to play, you know? And like, um, and I, I think that was always the, like the thing that we, um, you know, kind of kept, um, as our thing that whenever we cover a song, we wanted it to like sound like us, you know? And that's a sign of a good cover. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, just, yeah. We're the sign of like a, a band that can't do anything other than play their own music, <laughs> you know? I mean, and, and, but, but like, we don't even want to though. Like, that's the thing, right? It's just, I'm, it's more interesting that way. Like when, cause I've heard other bands do sabotage and it's like, a little bit closer to the original and i like i don't get it i'm like why doesn't it sound more like your band i don't know i it's right. yeah I've, I've always been surprised like uh how many how many other bands have recorded covers of it uh since ours or you know but um and maybe they just never heard it i don't care i mean it's not like we wrote the song but uh anyways like i, I feel good in that like our version like seemed to really resonate with a lot of people and um and it's funny after like playing like our version so many times, it's it's almost like strange to go back and listen to the original because I'm so used to. Uh, <laughs> I mean, actually, I'll say this: I'm I'm so used to playing it live that when I hear our own version, it sounds weird, you know, because like that's morphed into a slightly different thing, you know, like and, you know, as a lot of as a lot of band songs do over time. Um, it's really it's one thing I like. I definitely like encourage more bands to do sometimes because um you know like if you're if you're stuck and you've got like an awkward numbers an awkward number of songs for a record fuck it record a cover i have one last question and i'm going to pass it off to phil and he's going to do the anecdotes if you could pick one band that's no longer active one canadian band and one non-canadian band it's not active who would it be you want to see it as a reunion 
Oh God, a Canadian <laughs> band and a non-Canadian band, if you can, um, please. Okay, I would like to see the Doughboys. Um, that would be the Canadian band I would like to see because I never got to see them, and uh, they're a band I've loved since I was a kid, and um, probably one of the like more uh, punk rock Canadian bands that I just. I never really realized that they were punk until I was older and I just always loved their records. So that's definitely a band, um, uh, you know, and big influence on me too, for sure. Uh, non-Canadian band. Mm. Hmm. Uh, let me think <laughs> about that. That's a tough one. I'm just trying to think there's just there's too many bands in my brain and it feels like, it's because I want it to be a band like I never got to see, if that makes sense, you know? Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, Did you guys ever play with Maylene? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, wait, no, oh, no, we never, sorry, we never played with them, but, I, but I've hung out with them and seen them. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, we, I don't think we played that show, no, no. But we were definitely like hung out with those guys for sure i don't like any bands that aren't canadian I'm just, I'm joking. <laughs> you're, on the right, you're on the right shows then you're on the right shows uh, yeah yeah no um no like there's probably some like um uh, oh okay i should have thought of this sooner there's a british band called iron monkey um that uh i mean technically they're sort of back together with the fairly different lineup um, than the original, but I wish I could have seen the original Iron Monkey with their singer, John Morrow, before he died. Um, and they are this sort of crusty sludge doom punk noise um, band from, uh, I think they are from Nottingham, but they were definitely from the UK. Um, and uh, yeah, they're like one of my favorite bands ever. Never got to see them. I, I don't even think they ever played a show outside of the UK or outside of Europe and uh, yeah. Oh, actually, here's another big one. Acid Bath um, is a huge band for me. I should have thought of that sooner. So for an American, I'll pick a UK and an American band. American band is Acid Bath. And um, yeah, another another great band. Sad, uh, sadly, tragically lost a member. Um, their bass player, Audie, died. And, um, and then they they basically decided to disband after that. Um, and then some of the guys went on to play in like uh, uh, Crowbar and Goat Horror and um, their singer Dax Riggs has like a solo career, um, put out some pre-rad records too. And um, yeah, just brutal heaviness, kind of like weird mixture of a lot of different genres and just, you know, a lot of crazy lyrics about serial killers and stuff and just, uh, but again, still one of my favorite bands that I, I love listening to their records and they really only ever put out two. So, um, yeah, but sometimes that's better, short and sweet, you know? Yeah, so yeah, those would be my picks. Iron Monkey, Acid Bath, and the Doughboys. Good picks, thank you. Yeah. Gatekeeper, off Sick. of The Spark That Moves Us. Or the Spark That Moves, not The Spark That Moves Us. Hey, listen, if it moves all of us, I'm still <laughs> no, 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 no bombs, buddy.
Scott. Glad you can join us in the Not Just a Phase crew this evening. I think the last time we saw each other in person was when I was finishing up Hellbent vocals. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a good time. So it's, so it's good to see you. So uh, Yeah, Matt, you would have been. It looks like you're holding a bottle of hot sauce. It's your hot sauce. It's my hot sauce. Yeah. <laughs> oh. um, so, uh, yeah, Bats put out the cleverly titled uh, You'll Never Break a CP last year. Can we expect a volume two coming yeah. anytime soon? Yeah, actually, uh, we've teased a little bit on our Instagram, just sort of uh, ripping on some stuff. But uh, we, we do have some more songs in the works uh, uh, in that vein to, um, to yeah, to show everyone uh, sooner than later. Uh, it's, it's basically nearly done being recorded. I'm mixing it. It's, uh, yeah, it's going to be going to be some more stuff in the same vein, just uh, some you know some other tracks and yeah it's it's been a good time i i had a lot of fun with that love to hear it uh were there any difficulties you guys came across like tracking separately from each other oh yeah for sure yeah it's like definitely super fucking weird and i (laughs) (laughs) it's not preferred by any means but it's um it's a learning it's a it's a learning process i think you know um trying to get uh you know different members with different experience levels in terms of like being able to record themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, so some people went to like friends houses who had home studios, um, which worked out well. And other people like Jay was like, okay, cool. Like I, I got an interface and I'm like recording stuff. And basically like the cool thing was, is like, uh, because I've got a, a recording studio in, in Dundas with uh, your drummer, Nick. Yeah. Um, yeah. Schoolhouse studios you know, everybody would send me their tracks, I, you know, and I would record mine to theirs. And then we would, uh, I'd mix it all together and, uh, you know, had fun, sort of like experimented. If something different didn't work like guitar wise, maybe I'd like reamp it or, you know, use some crazy effects to like mangle it to make it sound cool and, and blend together. I think that the really, the difficult part of it is harnessing the right vibe when there's not like, a producer in the room ensuring that everything is like going to plan so that it's all like fitting together where it was like a lot of stuff being thrown in different directions kind of being like okay will this work I think it should work and then and then sort of sort of the like the mixing phase would kind of be like okay well which direction are we going to take this in you know and it would be like okay well let's decide on this and then we're kind of like okay let's not make something like like let's not make it sound like new country just because we're playing acoustic or or a little bit more bluesy like we don't want it to sound like like Nickelback's photograph you know what I mean (laughs) and uh and then so like we're like yeah let's make it a little bit more dirty and lo-fi and and yeah just like just kind of make it more us and and less pristine and um and so that was like a conscious decision and then and then when we sent it off to mastering uh, the first, I remember the first round that we got was a little bit more Nickelback photograph. The guy like, was like, I'll brighten this up a ton. I'm like, no, let's pull it down. Yeah. And yeah, but it's, it, it turned out, it turned out really cool in, in the end. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know I mean? Again, experiment not to be like, like, you know, I, I think that was with us. It's just, it's, it's not the most serious thing of all time. Um, you know, we, we started off doing this like for fun on, again on some sort of like instagram videos we were doing and they got a good response and people liked it we're like hey okay like people are telling us to make a record let's go for it you know yeah. whatever and then and we were thinking like because uh 
we wanted to donate to uh, this charity, Water First, with, which helps like um, indigenous people uh, get access to clean water and and you know educate the rest of the country about you know why water is a human right, and, and, right? You know, basic shit, but stuff that other people ignore or, or unfortunately are ignorant to. And yeah, so anyway, like you know, that was the the fun thing. It was just like an internet only release, and at the moment, and um, and uh, yeah, we so we raised some money for charity, had a had a good time, and people liked it, and that you know made us feel good too. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. You guys really made it your own too. Like, uh, like, like you even said earlier, how, how you didn't, you don't always enjoy when somebody does a cover and it sounds the same. Cause uh, you guys didn't want to put out the exact same songs, just with like an acoustic version of it. You guys like yeah. made a different version of the song, which is like, it's not always easy to do to your own song. Oh, for sure. And, and like, I'm kind of not the biggest fan of like, I mean, there are exceptions, uh, but I'm generally not the biggest fan of when bands like go back and re-record their old albums and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. I mean, again, there's the odd one here or there that's like, oh, this sounds great. Or yeah, the old one did kind of sound like garbage because you recorded it in 1984 in a basement and it sucked. Um, you know, and now like you can hear what it would sound like with bigger production, whatever. But um you know, so that was the thing for, for me, especially like, I really was like, Oh, let's make this, this different. And, you know, it was cool. Like even just like when we were making it, like, like Jay and I even switched up instruments a bunch. Like he played loads of guitar. I was playing bass on most of the songs on the first one and uh, you know, and acoustics and he's got a banjo and, and I tried some organ and stuff like that. Like, you know, just got like weird and just, again, made it fun so that like while we're doing it, it's not just like, oh, hey, we're just playing light versions of our songs. Let's make them a little more interesting and yeah. see, see the other places we could take it. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, you've been active in the music scene uh, even before Cancer Bats. You mentioned uh, Mercy, at the Insp uh, uh, Mercy of the Inspiration. At the Mercy of Inspiration. At, at the Mercy of Inspiration. Um, what, what, what were some of your previous bands before that? uh okay before at the mercy of inspiration um there was another band i was in called upended which was like a weird sort of emo core i don't know it was like it was a band that i formed with some guys i was in high school with that were like a bit older than me and um we had a singer from montreal this guy uh, uh mudape who was really awesome um really like energetic front man really he was a good friend and we liked all kinds of music like the guy the other guys in the band were like definitely like very into like 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 skate punk but also like super into new metal uh at, at at the time and like i was a little less into some of that but um definitely more into hardcore and just whatever like we all like different kinds of music we didn't know how to be a band and really write songs but we like, we made like a demo um, and uh, yeah, that, and that was like, that was just like very early primitive. Um, you know, we played a couple local shows, nothing big, didn't really, like we played like, I think the furthest we ever played away was like, we did a show in like Ottawa and Montreal, you know, again on a demo tape and yeah, that didn't really do much. Before that, like the first like real band I was ever in was a band called Bitter Fall which was like um, based in Toronto and 
that was like a sort of like industrial, almost gothic rock kind of band. It was like very different, very different, um, very much like um, sort of like Nine Inch Nails meets The Cure meets Ministry, Depeche Mode kind of thing. Yeah. Like very, very different than anything anyone else knows me from. But um, but I love all those bands and, and all that kind of music and like a lot of um, like, you know, I grew I, again, I grew up in the 90s, like getting into music and like, what, you know, Ministry was like one of my first really heavy bands that I loved. Yeah. Uh, you know, like the, the Psalm 69 record, like, you know, really changed a lot of shit for me and and uh, and other bands, too, like Frontline Assembly and and stuff like that. Um, that in KMFDM bands that would like mix like heavy guitars with, you know, industrial program stuff and just weird dark shit. And, um, and anyway, it's like essentially like that band, the, the reason I joined that was like my best friend was the, was the keyboard player and uh, synths and stuff. And he told me that they were like kicking their guitar player out and that they needed a guitar player. He was like, Hey, you play guitar. You're good. Join our band. <laughs> And then so so I did, and like we made uh, a couple records together, and we got signed to some weird ass label in Pittsburgh, and we we toured the states a bunch, uh, and like played some like really sketchy, and um, and it was like right after like so basically like the first tour that I ever did with that band was like 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 a month after September 11th, and so like we went, I remember like we went to New York City. And like we're like we were like at ground zero like right after it happened it was which was like kind of crazy and weird and, and we played like cbgb's which was like pretty cool like i was yeah. like stoked i got to play there you know and like i remember like i was like oh man i'm buying the shirt but because i played there fuck yeah <laughs> you know and uh but it was fun you know and like I, I learned a lot and you know have had good memories and stuff like that i eventually kind of like grew out of that band and um, made my way through some other stuff. And there was a couple, like, um, there was, like, a band I was somewhat in, I uh, played a few shows with, um, called Solitary Sun, which was guys from, like, I don't know if you remember the band The End. The, the singer had the, the bass drum, or the floor tom on stage. Yeah, yeah, he, he'd have, exactly, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I did a band with him and the bassist uh, for, like, a little bit. They asked me to join as sort of, like, a lead guitar player, and I filled in on that for a little while and that was fun. Um, but yeah, like pretty much since cancer bats, it's almost exclusively been cancer bats. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's like, um, there's some other stuff that I'm doing uh, now too. There's like a band um, that I produced um, from the, from Czech Republic and Slovakia uh, called sleepy hungry, but I've kind of sort of become a de facto member of the band too. Like I played a lot of the guitar on the record and co-wrote a lot of stuff and some bass and stuff like that. So I don't know if shows will ever happen again. Maybe I'll play a show with them one day too. The funny thing with Cancer Bats is that Cancer Bats is supposed to be a side project band to At the Mercy of Inspiration. But that band, unfortunately, uh, you know, we didn't have the members that were all on the same page, you know, right. we had, we had very different uh, points of view and, and while I think we were like actually a really good band, people were in different places and that kind of thing. And uh, we had a lot to learn anyway, but um, you know, that band sort of imploded and Liam was supposed to come on tour with us as our merch guy. And we had, we had just started Cancer Backs and then basically like on our record release tour that he was supposed to come out on, that tour ended up like getting canceled like last minute. 
Uh, we got screwed over by some guy that had lied about booking us a bunch of shows at West um, that he never actually booked. And um, anyways, long story short, uh, tour canceled. And then Liam and I were like, okay, hey, screw it. Let's just work on Cancer Bat since this tour is not happening. We've got this whole month. Let's just jam. And, and we formed the band basically, um, you know, after that and, you know, recorded our demo and kind of just played shows ever since and then my other band never played another show really <laughs> and uh, yeah what have been some of your favorite ontario bands within the last year or so what's caught your attention well you mean aside from hellbent probably sinner uh <laughs> but uh yeah i mean i really like the band crossdog from peterborough i don't know if you know them but they're they're fucking awesome um there's a really good band from Toronto called Champion Lover that I love. Um, Trying to think of like something new that I haven't worked on. Did you jam the new rules? I have not jammed the new one though. No, no. But I do, I do like rules, and I'm good friends with Ben Rispin. Um, so I, I do want to hear that. I didn't actually know it was out. Um, yeah. Oh, there's that band uh, Dragged In. They're really fucking awesome. Yeah um yeah yeah stoked on them oh uh yeah trauma model from uh from like kingston area they're they're fucking sick um there's also that other band uh trauma lanes that nick recorded they're cool too yeah 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 i mean there's just so many good ones honestly like just when i think it's like you know it's all done and all the good bands are gone just like new crop pops up again and it all starts over and yeah yeah i'm, I'm I'm really stoked. I mean, I think there's like, um, you know, there's always been a lot of talented people here. Oh, there's that other band, uh, Rust, um, that are pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, another band Nick's recorded that I've uh, I've kind of got to know from being around the studio a little bit and really nice dudes. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some there's some rad shit out there. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for more stuff all the time, you know, like, I mean, obviously, like, I, you know, love producing and recording and mastering and all that stuff. So um, I'm always looking for new bands to work with and check out. And, and I think that's the one, like, fun thing about, like, uh, being in the recording studio atmosphere, at least, you know, prior to lockdowns and all that shit. It's, uh, you know, it's just, like, meeting all these different musicians who just, like, oh, like, oh, you know these people. Or, like, you know, I'll meet, like, a young band. They're, like, oh, I grew up going to see Cancer Rats. This is really cool. Like that you're here because this is one of the reasons why like I'm playing music. I'm like, holy shit, that's the coolest thing ever that this is blowing my mind right now. That someone's saying that to me. That's, that's the best. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, I just, I've always loved that. Like when there's like really strong moments in time and as far as like the Ontario mu music community has gone, you know, like I felt like it, there was, there's definitely like a few waves um, over the years. Like it, I feel like it kind of like, it's every five years where it like sort of really rejuvenates and I feel like it, we're kind of getting back on the crest of like a, like a new wave of like uh, against me reference. <laughs> I feel like we're, we're, get, we're getting there for another, another good movement of music. I, I really hope the like the last like couple years will like sort of fuel a lot of um, unbridled creativity and I'm really looking for something new. I'm looking for something scary again. You know, I was, I was talking to uh, my friends the other day and I was, I was saying, man, I remember when I was like 12 and I listened to fucking the song black Sabbath by black Sabbath for the first time when I was a kid. And I was like, 
sitting there and I was listening. And I mean, obviously it wasn't new music, but I was like terrified. <laughs> I thought it was scary as fuck. And I remember like listening to like a Victory Records compilation and listening to like Strife and Earth Crisis and all these bands sing about like militant politics and things that they were like, you know, like really seriously passionate about. And I was just like, whoa, this is like, this is fucking for real. These people live this shit, you know? And I, I, wanna, I wanna see more of that. I wanna see more of that. And I, and I, I, yeah, I just want, I want music to be like a little bit more dangerous, a little bit more scary. I don't know, just something that like, just, just I want that excitement, you know? I want that, that realness, you know? I, I feel like there's too much stuff going on where so many bands sound the fucking same. And mm-hmm. they're all using the same gear, the same fucking pedals, the same amps, fuck off. like. I don't know, build something, break something. Like, let's do something for fucking real. Like, not just fucking something that just, like, just sticks on the wall like a piece of old wallpaper that blends in, you know? Like, fuck that. Like, you know, let's get excited about something fucking fresh. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's what I can't wait for, man. Like, that's what I I really want to see from Ontario, you know? Right on. Now, uh, you've told me this story before, uh, but I want you to tell the listeners – yeah. About, the, about the time you met Mike Tyson. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that was definitely a funny time. So, okay. So this would have been like on the Bears, Mares, Scraps and Bones tour. So this is like topical, um, you know, as the, as the 10-year anniversary rolls on to 11 years, 12 years. It's, uh, we were on tour in the UK and unfortunately, Mikey's grandfather, I think, had just passed away. He was like, guys, I have to fly home. I got to be there for my family for the funeral. And we're like, of course, man. Like, yeah, like no question you do. And so we were trying to figure out how we could still play shows. Now, luckily, um, our good friend, uh, Paul Jackson, who was the drummer of the band Johnny Truant, was available. And he was like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to learn all the songs. I love you guys. Like, I'm going to fill in for Mikey and like make sure that your tour can continue. So um, we got him. We played one show in Wales and I don't know, maybe somewhere else, but basically we had a really long drive and we had to drive to like the North end of Scotland to a town called Aberdeen. Halfway there, we stopped for gas at a tiny little gas station in a town called Dundee. And it was just like, like it wasn't even a truck stop. Like it was literally like roadside gas station in the middle of nowhere. And like, (laughs) We like, you know, we walk in, people are, people are shopping and then like everyone's like racing to the bathroom basically. But it's the kind of gas station where they only have like one single bathroom for everybody and you just got to wait your turn, right? I come in second and Jay gets in there first. So I'm just waiting in the hallway of, you know, to use the bathroom and I'm just sort of like, you know, twiddling my thumbs, sort of tapping my foot. And then all of a sudden I hear this voice. And obviously Mike Tyson has a pretty unmistakable voice. <laughs> and, and so I don't know what he said, but all of a sudden. He's a bat. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's, that's not what he said. But it was basically like he walks in the room and I'm just like, my, my eyes, I just can't believe this is what I'm seeing. You know, I probably just woke up from a nap in the van or something. And I'm just like. Whoa. like 
And he's like, you know, he's not wearing anything flashy. He's just like all dressed in like, <clears throat> he's wearing like a bomber jacket and a toque. And, but again, the voice. And then immediately I see the face tattoo. And I'm just like, whoa, hey man, how's it going? <laughs> and I just like, I didn't know what to say. Like, I was just like, you know, it's not like I'm a Mike Tyson fan or anything. You know what I mean? Like, I just know, obviously everybody knows who Mike Tyson is. I was just like, hey, how's it going? And, and I just shook his hand. And he, and like, I could, I could see kind of hesitated for a sec, but he, he shook my hand and was just like, are you American? <laughs> and I was like, no, man, I, I'm, I'm actually from Canada. He's like, ah, weird. You sound American. <laughs> I, was like, I mean, I guess we're close enough, right? And he's like, yeah, whatever. And then just like, and then basically, because somebody heard us talking, all of a sudden one of his bodyguards like runs in and is like double checking everything's okay. And then like, he's just like, ah, there's, there's a lineup for the bathroom. And then basically like, so another one of his security guards shows up a second later with like the the cashier and he's like unlocking the employee's bathroom for Mike to use. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, my, my head is spinning at this point, just being like, I can't believe that this is really weird. This is happening. And then, and then I come out and then I'm just like expecting everyone to have seen Mike Tyson at this point. Right. And literally I just saw so like walk out of the bathroom and I'm like looking at the like convenience store part of the gas station. And then I just see like Mike Tyson walks over to the, like the magazine rack and he's standing next to my bassist Jay. And I can hear him go, Oh, I'm going to pick up some reading material for the ride. <laughs> and then like, he's literally just flipping through magazines and I'm just like, like spinning my head. Like, Oh my God, I'm the only person in this place that knows Mike Tyson is here right now. And I can't like, I can't like say this is like I just can't yell it out loud. And then what I noticed is that there's like four security guards like posted among like the doors and kind of like around him and like just like these really big guys like wait because Mike Tyson's actually quite short. Maybe like people don't realize that, but he's like not very tall. He's like kind of my height. I'm a pretty short guy, and right. he uh, yeah. And anyway, so like our tour manager Stan who's like this uh, English guy um, from Essex, great dude. Um, I was just like, he like walked by me and I was like, hey, Stan, that's Mike Tyson over there. And it's like, Mike Tyson has his back turned to him. And so he just like, kind of like glanced over and he's like, Scott, don't be racist. And then like, and then just walked away. <laughs> and I was like, what is, what? But, but, you know, just like, no, I'm not, well, I, you know, and it was just, this is crazy. And, uh, and then like, literally, like, we all go in the van and I'm just like, guys, that's fucking Mike Tyson. And they're like, what the fuck? No way. And then literally they just see, like, everyone sees Mike Tyson walk out with four bodyguards and they get in like a small SUV. Everyone's like, holy shit, did you get a picture? And I was like, of course I left my, the one time I left my phone in the van. I didn't have my phone with me. Uh, yeah. And it was just like, oh, God. And, like, yeah, it was just, like, pretty funny. We, like, drove by him on the highway, I'm pretty sure. And like, <laughs> But, you know, couldn't really see anything. And, and then, anyways, we found out that he was doing, like, a spoken word tour in Scotland. 
and it was just like the chance meeting of a lifetime. And I somehow was the lucky guy that met him. And uh, yeah, almost nobody believed me. And it was pretty funny. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty like surreal circumstance to, to have happen in my life. Yeah. A spoken yeah. word to her. Eh? He's really playing into his strengths. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I, was, I, I mean, was gonna say something like that too. This like, might what? have been around the time when he did like that, uh, that sort of like um, documentary that he narrates about himself. Have yeah. you seen that? Yeah, and like I think it was around that time. And yeah, and just, but it was like before. I think it was before, uh, like you know, he was in the movie The Hangover, and then his career was like on an upturn after that yeah <laughs> you know before he did like the like the netflix show like the cartoon and stuff and yeah but it was so it was like pretty funny and so like i guess like i was like oh sick like mike tyson is like our competition for crowds in scotland this week <laughs> just like <laughs> Oh man, I would hate to have to pick between a cancer bat show and seeing Mike Tyson talk live. That would right, suck. Right, right. Yeah, but I remember we had an amazing show that night. It was the best. Yeah, it was really funny. Yeah, good times, good times. Right like on. Any more? Uh, you know what? I think uh, I think that's it for me. I think that's all the anecdotes. I think uh, I'm really happy with uh, our conversation, Scott. You've been super rad for us. As my friend Sean Evans says from Hot Ones, uh, it's time to roll up the red carpet for you. Is there any oh. shout outs, any plugs, any causes you want to talk about? Anything at all before we let you go and play an outro song? Ah, uh, I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, Phil, Phil and I were already talking about the Cancer Bats hot sauce for hot ones. Like I, the, the cool thing about that actually is Heartbeat Hot Sauce, the company that makes the Cancer Bats hot sauce, has a hot sauce on hot ones. So um, good. Yeah. And uh, they make great hot sauce. So definitely support that company. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, as far as anything else, like, um, I, again, I'm, I'm always stoked to, uh, to work with bands in the studio. So if any bands need help with their records, definitely hit me up. Um, hopefully, uh, we're going to see some more, a lot more new Cancer Bat stuff uh, coming up in the next year or two. Um, you know, like, again, again, it's hard to say what the, you know, the landscape of touring and shows is going to be like, but um, we're working on some new music, you know, it's happening. And, and again, the a follow-up to separation sessions uh, will be coming out. And um, yeah, I'm uh, just looking forward to keeping busy in music. And, you know, I hope uh, Phil, um, you know, I hope he starts writing some more music too. So <laughs> I like his bands a lot. <laughs> I, wa- I want to see, I want to see more Hellbent, more Sinner records. Awesome. I love yeah, more hip hop. <laughs> yeah, or Phil's hip hop. Right? Yeah, more yeah, of when, that. When's that coming? <laughs> you know? That was a good like, time of the pandemic. Like, or like, when, when's Phil going to be on a Simpsons episode? That's what I want. Yeah. That's nice. what I want to see. Like, yeah. uh, how do we make that happen? Like, where's the, where's, where's the like, Kickstarter campaign for that? Well, I'm Matt, getting Matt Groening on the show next week. So when we speak with him. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. We, we didn't even get to the, to the story about the time I met, like, a guy impersonating Mike Judge. So. You know, oh we'll save God. that for another episode. Yeah, <laughs> please do. We'd love to have you yeah. back on. I'm sure Phil would love to have you back on as well. Anytime, this is, guys. This has been yeah. fucking awesome, man. Thank you so much. It was an honor to have you on here, man. Uh, thanks again for coming on the show. No problem. Really nice to meet everyone. Do it.
Track.